0: I'm Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks so much for braving the the crazy wind today, and uh, you guys, I can see you guys wearing windbreakers, like from the 90s. Is that it? Was windbreakers a thing? I don't know, so uh, thanks for for coming today. Um, It's my honor and privilege to unpack uh, for you and with you the Word of God, and that's always just my goal on Sunday mornings. It's what we do on Sunday mornings. We open the Word, and we talk about it, and uh, so my lifelong calling is to teach and preach the Word of God in a way that you can understand it, apply it, and pass it on. So that's what I want to do today as we wrap up this Teach Us to Pray uh, series. And what we're going to talk about today is, is so important for your life. I'm going to make some jokes like always. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to hopefully make you laugh a little bit. But I want you to hear how serious this is. And we're going to talk about spiritual warfare today. And it's serious because you face in your life a very real enemy. His name is Satan, and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy everything. So what we're going to talk about, we'll, we'll, like I say, we'll make some jokes, we'll come back around and, and all that, but it is I want you to hear that this is a very serious topic today as we finish up uh, the Lord's Prayer. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, um, one of the most... Uh, memorized passages of Scripture, uh, Luke 11 and Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. So let's begin like we have the other couple of weeks uh, by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Just say it as you've got it memorized Um, You know, the way you talk to God, which is thou and thee and all that, which makes total perfect sense. Okay, so recite that uh, with me on three. Ready? One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yeah, that last part's not even in there, right? It's not even in there. So But you guys can keep you guys can keep going, all right? Whatever. It's not in there. Matthew six. but that's okay. Because you pray a lot of prayers that aren't straight from the Bible, right? So that's fine. Somebody the other day was saying, Well, I stopped praying that part because it's not in the original manuscripts of Matthew six. And I was like, So are you only praying what's in the original manuscripts of Matthew six in your prayer life? Because that would be a pretty short prayer, right? So um, you can absolutely pray that prayer. It doesn't. God's not mad at you for that. Just don't do it right now because it's gonna make me mad. <laughs> Just kidding. So we have the disciples to thank, one of the disciples to thank for uh, the Lord's Prayer because they, they saw Jesus praying as he did regularly, this vibrant prayer life, communicating with God because that's what prayer is. It's just communication with God. And so he, they saw Jesus praying to his Father in heaven and one of the disciples saw that It's like, I want that. I want a I prayer life like that. So he kind of stepped out of the group and he said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's Luke 11 one. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus answered, responded by giving this prayer. He said, okay, well, um, when you pray, pray like this. And he said, well, "What we've come to know as the, the Lord's Prayer, and a lot of church traditions recite this prayer on a weekly basis in Sunday services. It's probably why uh, many families, maybe you grew up in a family that, that recites the Lord's Prayer on a nightly basis or, or maybe just on Sundays or whatever, but you've, you've done this before, and that's fine. It's good to recite uh, scriptural prayer. I'm totally okay with that, uh, not wrong at all, but I would say don't stop with just reciting it. Because it's actually not really given for us to recite. You can recite it, but this is Jesus not telling us what to pray. This is Jesus saying how to pray. Because the disciples' question was, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. And so Jesus answers by giving us this model prayer, how to pray. So over the last three weeks, we've dug deep into three phrases, the first three phrases of or, or sections of this prayer first our father in heaven hallowed be your name and we said first we pray from a revelation of who god is you need to know who it is that you're praying to our father in heaven our father in heaven hallowed be your name and then we talked about your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we just said we pray from god's will that god's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. You can pray from God's will. He's given you everything you need to to accomplish his will. You You can do that. And then the last part from last week, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. We just said we pray from God's provision, both physically and spiritually, bread and forgiveness. God has given you everything you need to live the way he wants you to live, to do what he's called you to do. You can pray from God's provision with confidence. This week, we want to look at the last part. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the main point I just want you to be thinking about throughout this sermon and maybe throughout this week is this. We pray from God's protection. We pray not only from His will and provision and with the revelation of who He is, but we pray from His protection. I played uh, football in junior high and high school. I know you can tell by the awesome physical specimen that I am. Carl laughed at that. I don't, I don't know if that's what... I'm going to remember that, Carl. Um, but we... Um, now I lost my thought. I played, I played football... And uh, in junior high and high school, I wasn't super great at it. I just played uh, for fun. And I went to a small school, so I got to play a lot. Uh, I was a linebacker. Uh, I went to a small school from one school from kindergarten through junior year. Then I switched schools. But I, I was a linebacker. I liked linebackers. I wanted to hit people. I wanted to tackle, get the big hits, big tackles. I, that, that's where I was at. But I also played center because we were small. And we needed somebody to play center and that was like horrible. I hated that. So there was both sides to it. Then I transferred uh, to my future wife's school, which is an even smaller school, private school. And I played just my senior year there. And they played what's called six-man football. Basically in Texas, it doesn't matter how many people we have, we're playing football. All right. That's That's kind of the thought process. Like one, two, three, you have ten, we have ten. that's not eleven. Let's do six-man. Okay, so it's just a different kind of football. It's a lot of fun. I played linebacker because I told them I was a linebacker and they let me play that. Then they found out I played center before, so then I had to do that again. And I was like, oh, great. My past is catching up to me. But in six-man football, the center is an eligible receiver. So I actually ended up loving it. It was a lot of fun. I got to catch passes and stuff. So That was fun. But I remember back to seventh grade, the first day of football practice, and it might have been even before the first practice because we were getting all of our gear, all of our equipment. And uh, I remember like everything, like nothing there was new right, because we're in seventh grade, so it's like pants, pads, you know, shoulder pads, helmets, everything's been used for like 67 years, and so you can barely, you know, they're falling apart in your hand, and you're like, is this going to work? And coach is like, tape it up, you'll be fine, and so that's kind of the, what was happening, getting all of our gear, and we got to the point where we were going to get our helmet, which was like the coolest part of the whole thing, right, and so they're calling people's names, last names to come up, and uh, finally they get to me, they go, Mills, and I, so I go up, and I, he goes, coach goes, what size hat do you wear? So I told him what I thought was my hat size, and he was like, no way. There's no way you, you, that's your hat size. No way. I'm like, okay. So he gets that, like, cloth measuring tape thing out, and he puts it on my head. Everybody's watching. He puts it on my head, and, so, and you guys, by looking at my head, you already know where this is going, Right? <laughs> It's a thing in my life. I should have known it was gonna happen because it happened at Little League, first day of Little League Baseball too. So he measures my head and then he goes like, Whoa, you weren't kidding, Mills. That's a big noggin you got there. Never seen a head that huge. And I'm like, thanks, coach. Can we move on? Can I get a a helmet? So he's like, he gives me the biggest helmet in in the line of helmets. He goes, try this. And so I did, and I couldn't get it on my gargantuan head. It just would not get on. And he's like, hitting the helmet. I'm kidding, that didn't happen. I'm joking. But I couldn't get it on my head. And, and so this is seventh grade football. They coaches didn't have a backup plan. They didn't they didn't like plan for somebody to have a huge head like mine. And so they said, Well, I don't know. I guess you just I guess you're just gonna have to practice without a helmet. And I was like, What? Isn't that dangerous, coach? He's like, you'll be fine. What he meant was that I wasn't going to get to do all of practice. So the first couple of practices, I didn't get to hit. I didn't get to do the stuff that you needed your helmet for. I kind of had to sit on the sidelines for a little bit, and it wasn't fun. And finally, they got me a helmet. They had to go like they went eighth grade, no, JV, no. They had to get a varsity-sized helmet for my gargantuan head. This has been a thing in my life. When I was a kid, I walked like this (laughs) because my head was so big. That's not true not true at all, but I had to wear this huge helmet. It was different than everybody else's helmet, so I had a different helmet, and it was fun. It was awesome. (laughs) Listen, you can't play football without a helmet. An NFL player on the Bills, Taiwan Jones, found that out this last season. I think it was second week of the season or so. He's on the Bills. They're receiving a punt. His teammate is back to receive the punt, fumbles it, They're close to their own end zone, fumbles it into the end zone, so there's a chance of a safety. Taiwan Jones sprints in, recovers the fumble, and is trying to fight his way out of his own end zone to prevent the safety. Somewhere along the way, his helmet comes off. The refs don't blow the play dead because they're probably like, this is going to be awesome. No, I'm kidding. I don't know why they didn't blow it dead. So he's fighting without a helmet to get out of the end zone. The the other team is running full length of the field, right, to, to stop. This and uh, it was just this vicious helmet-to-helmet hit, but he didn't have a helmet on, and it was it was crazy. And it, it, here's what his face looks like afterwards. It was nuts, and so he was lucky to be able to walk straight after that thing, right? Um, he's actually okay. Um, he's playing, and and everything's okay. I mean, I guess everything's okay. He says it's okay, but it, you can't play football without a helmet, and it it's it's. Dangerous enough with a helmet in football, right? Much less without it. Living your life without praying from God's protection—it's like playing football without a helmet. It's—it's it's like going to battle without a shield or a sword, or—or or in nowadays going without a gun or, or a bulletproof vest, or or opting to ride in the battle in a convertible rather than a tank. It just—it just doesn't make any. Sense It doesn't make any sense. Jesus goes, when you pray, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Pray from God's protection. So let me just say one thing about the first, one main thing about the first part of this prayer, the last section of this prayer, and then we'll spend most of our time on the second. So the first part is lead us not into temptation. Temptation... Is when the desire to sin that is in all of us is awakened towards a specific sin. Temptation happens before sin happens. Temptation is not sin. Giving into temptation is where sin occurs. Am I? Are you tracking with me so far? So you can be tempted and not sin, or you could be tempted and sin. Temptation can come from the outside. It can be, you know, something that you see, something that you hear, something that someone else says. That could be temptation. It could come from the inside, a thought or whatever. It can be outside or inside. The Bible is clear in James 1 that God doesn't tempt anyone. So temptation doesn't come from God. He's not making traps for us. But this idea that you're praying from God's protection When it comes to temptation, it means that that first, you have to admit that without God's protection, you're going to fall to temptation, right? Why would you pray for God's protection against temptation, lead us not into temptation, if temptation wasn't a problem for you? So there's some humility here. Like if if you don't think you have a problem, then you don't need God's protection. By the way, if you're wondering, you can write this down, if you're wondering, you do in fact have a problem. You're welcome. I just wanted you to know that. You do, in fact, have a problem. Uh, don't, let's not act like we don't have problems with sin and temptation. Like, we all have uh, sins that we struggle with, temptation that we struggle with, things maybe that we don't tell anybody else about. Some of you have sins and temptation that you don't run from, but you seek out on a regular basis. Don't be so blind as to think you don't need God's help with this. You absolutely do. Let me show you what I mean in First Corinthians 10. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 10 is using the, the example of the Israelites in the desert, wandering in the desert, as, a, as an example of what not to do. So it's a negative example. Don't do this. The Israelites... Uh, Got to see a whole lot of you know awesome wonders and miracles and these amazing things happen. They were fed from heaven, manna from heaven. Uh, they they got you know water out of a rock miraculously. And don't forget that they were led daily in the day by a pillar of smoke, and then at night by a pillar of fire. I mean, they were around God's presence in miraculous ways on a regular basis. And yet they still rebelled against Him. They still were not content with God's leadership in the desert, and so God was not pleased with them, and so the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be like them. Verse, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, starting in verse 6, says this, now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to, pr- to play. Verse 8. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come now look at verse 12 it says all that about the israelites and he says therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall let anyone thinks who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall in other words you're no different than the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Like, don't think, like, we think, man, the Israelites, like, ah, coming out of Egypt. Like, they, they should have figured this out. If I was there, I would have been happy to follow, you know, God and not complain, not grumble. And I would, would have been content. According to the Apostle Paul, no, you wouldn't have. He, he's saying, don't think that you can stand. Don't think that you can stand. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And then the next verse, verse thirteen, is about temptation, and it's a verse that is often misunderstood and misquoted um, on a regular basis. Have you ever heard? Um, have you ever heard someone say, "God doesn't give you more than you can handle"? Have you ever heard that idea? God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, like we, we say it when we're going through stroke, tough times. Like, man, this is really tough, but I know God won't give me more than I can handle. But it's, gosh, it's tough. Or somebody else, you know, we're trying to encourage. We say. You know, Hey, I know, I know this is tough, but remember, God won't give you more than you can handle, so God must think you can handle this. So just take that as, you know, for encouragement. Have you ever heard that? God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah, it's like terrible advice. It's like really unbiblical, just terrible, terrible advice. It's a, of course God will give you more than you can handle, but look at this uh, passage and decide for yourself. It's verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. What that means is that you haven't stepped into something that nobody else has stepped in, right? Like, you you haven't created some new sin that God's, you know, that, that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross doesn't somehow cover because it wasn't happening then. Like, all sin is common to man. You haven't stepped into something that somebody else hasn't already stepped into. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So first of all, uh, this passage is talking about temptation, not about suffering. And so we use it to talk about suffering. God won't won't give you hard times, trials, suffering that you can't handle. This isn't about suffering. It has nothing to do with suffering. It has everything to do with temptation. What this passage is saying is that God will always give you a choice in the face of temptation. He will not force you to fall to temptation. You always have a way out. When you are tempted... It may seem like you can't stop, and it's already a foregone conclusion. And the truth is, it may be right, you may be right that you can't stop. But God has given you a choice in that moment to lean into yourself or to lean into him. He's given you a way out, and that way out is his power, his Holy Spirit. You can always lean into God to overcome temptation, It just said he is faithful. To understand 1 Corinthians 10.13, to not say that God won't give you or will, God won't give you more than you can handle, to understand that better, you just really have to know 1 Corinthians 10.12. We read it a a minute ago. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. He You can't stand on your own. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle because this isn't about you standing. This is about you leaning. This is about you leaning into the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, relying on him, depending on him. So the heart of this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is God, I don't want to get anywhere close to sin. Lead me not even close to temptation. Keep me away from temptation. Give me the wisdom to set my life up in such a way that I'm not constantly having to face temptation. God, I don't want to sin. I don't even want to get close to sin because I know that sin leads to death. That's what your word says. And I don't want death. I want life. So lead me not into temptation. This is a, a prayer of protection from sin. And according to 1 Corinthians 10, which we just read, you can pray that with faith and confidence. You can pray from God's protection because in the midst of temptation, God will always give you a way out, He'll always give you a choice. You can always lean into His power to overcome that temptation. You can lean into His power, you can also lean into His wisdom to set your life up in such a way that there's not much temptation to begin with. For instance, if you struggle with alcoholism, maybe you shouldn't hang out at the bar. I thought somebody might write that down. I thought it was a good idea. If you struggle with alcoholism, maybe you shouldn't drink at all. If you struggle with lust and pornography addiction, maybe you shouldn't give yourself unfettered access to computers with no accountability or reporting software on them whatsoever. If you struggle with materialism, envy, and greed, maybe you shouldn't watch all of the shows and look at the sites and look at the magazines that are all about the great stuff that other people have that you don't have. Maybe you shouldn't do that. So so we're talking about leaning into his power in the moment to overcome temptation, but also his wisdom to set our lives up in a way that we don't have much temptation to begin with. So that's, that's the first part. Lead us not into temptation. Let's talk about the last line of the Lord's Prayer with the rest of our time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Some translations have that as deliver us from the evil one, which I think is a better rendering of this passage. But in the end, application is the same because all evil comes from the evil one, so i want to I want to unpack this from from two different angles uh, with two different scriptures so we 're going to look at Ephesians six and John seventeen, Ephesians six and John seventeen. First, I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare. Um, I want to talk to you about your need to be delivered. Remember this is not just what we pray the lord 's prayer is not what to pray it 's how we pray it's not just words to recite jesus has given us this framework for prayer so inherent in the lord's prayer is this truth you need god's protection you need god's protection you need to be delivered That's because you and I have a real enemy, a very real enemy. There's a very real war going on, a battle being fought for your soul. Your enemy, my enemy, Satan, the devil, the serpent, he wants nothing more than to to keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill, keep you from the purpose God has for your life. He wants to derail your life, and he wants to derail God's plan, and he's not playing around. This enemy of ours, he is not Playing around. He will stop at nothing to steal, kill, and destroy everything. Everything. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just one thought process. It's not just, hey, this is to teach us good and evil. It's not real. No, hell is real. The enemy that we face, the enemy of your soul, is very, very real. You need protection. You need to be delivered. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. We need your help, God. Deliver us from the evil one. Kind of the go-to passage uh, for spiritual warfare is Ephesians 6. And so we don't have time to dig deep into it today, but... I wanted to read it to you and and just pull out a few things. So Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let's stop there for a second. You remember what 1 Corinthians 10.12 said just a moment ago? It said, "Let, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So, so that was talking about standing on your own, on your own strength, on your own ability, on your own might. Don't do that. You can't do that. You're going to fall. Now this passage says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's saying you can be strong, but not from your own well of strength, not from your own source. It has to be from God. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. So that's, that's the what here. That's what we're supposed to do. Be strong in the Lord. But just like the Lord's prayer doesn't just tell us what to pray but how to pray, so does Ephesians 6 and, and the rest of the Bible not stop at the what. It doesn't ever stop at the what. It always goes into the how. How are you supposed to accomplish this? So be strong in the Lord. That's the what. Verse 11, here's the how. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy, the devil. So that's how. Be strong in the Lord by putting on the whole armor of God. That's the only way you can stand against the schemes of the evil one. And then he's going to make the point that i made just a second ago which means which is that you, you need protection you need to be delivered verse 12 he says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places so spiritual warfare Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against the seen, against flesh and blood. It's against the unseen. It's against spiritual forces of darkness. It says rulers and authorities. It's not talking about kings and presidents on this earth. It's talking about spiritual rulers and authorities, those given dominion in this place. It's talking about spiritual forces of darkness. It's talking about demonic forces, cosmic forces powers. You need God's protection. This is why. This is why. Then the Apostle Paul goes on to explain the armor of God piece by piece, and we don't have time to stop at every one, so I'll just read it to you, and then I'll pull one thing out, draw your attention to one thing. It says this, starting in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Lots of great imagery, but not just imagery. It's deeper than that. The point is that just like you don't go into a football game without a helmet on, so you don't try to live your life, which is full of spiritual warfare, very serious battles going on without the armor of God. You need God's protection. But but here's the other part. Don't miss it. You need God's protection, and you have it. You have God's protection. Isn't that good news this morning? You need it, but you also have it. You already have it. The armor of God is available to you. You just need to put it on. Just like you got to grab the helmet, if it's the right size, and put it on your head before you go into a football game. So you have to put on the the armor of God. Well, how do we do that? Look at the, the next verse, verse 18. We do all of this. We put on all of the armor of God by praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. How do we, how do we face this very real enemy? Well, he we put on the armor of God by praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So so you don't have to just hope for God's protection. You you don't have to wonder if it's there. You don't have to pray for it in the sense that it might come or it might not be there when you need it. No, you can pray from God's protection. You can not just pray for victory, but you can pray from victory because you need God's protection, yes, and you have it. You have God's protection spiritual protection. You just got to put it on. So deliver us from the evil one. I said I'd take this last phrase in the Lord's Prayer from two angles, two scriptures. Ephesians 6 and then John 17. This is not the first time that that, that Jesus has prayed this prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. Um, In John 17, Jesus is saying this epic prayer over his disciples, including you and me. It's called the High Priestly Prayer. And he says a lot of different things that are really, really interesting. Talks about our suffering and how we should expect it. And he he prays for unity. He prays for some other things. Uh, But I want you to see uh, verse Fifteen. Uh, he, he says the, the same thing that he said in the Lord's Prayer in verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's praying to the Father. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Keep Them from the evil one. But but what's interesting is what comes after that because he keeps praying. The Lord's Prayer stops with that verse or that phrase, but he keeps praying and it gives us some insight into what we need to pray for and how we need to face the evil one. Verse 16, they are are not of the world. My, My disciples, my followers are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. What I want you to see here is that Jesus is praying specifically that we would be delivered from the evil one by being sanctified in what? The truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. And in case you're confused, he defines what truth is. God, your word is truth. So God's word is not just any truth, but God's word, God's truth. So this is about spiritual warfare and being delivered from the evil one, our real, very real enemy, Satan. So why would Jesus at this moment in this prayer say, deliver them from the evil one and then pray that they would have truth, that they would be sanctified in the truth? It's because... The devil, Satan, our enemy that we want to be delivered from, he has one main weapon that he uses. It's very effective. The devil's weapon is deception. The devil's weapon is deception. The Bible says that he is the deceiver of the whole world. The Bible also says you can tell when the devil is lying because if he's talking, he's lying, right? He's always deceiving. He's always working. He's always deceiving. And, and deception is a very scary thing, a terrifying thing, because when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived, right? That's what's scary about deception. When you're deceived, you think you're fine. You think you're right. You think you've got all the logic and all the reason and all the Christian reason, all the Bible verses backing you, and you're headed this way thinking everybody else is wrong. You've got friends telling you you're right. You've got good, you know, mushy feelings telling you you're right. You've got experiences telling you you're right. And the whole time you're deceived. You're headed towards death and destruction. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man that in the end ends in destruction. You're headed that way uh, uh, 90 miles an hour thinking you are right and you're deceived. It's a blind spot. You can't see clearly. That's what's scary about, about deception because you're headed towards darkness, death, destruction, and you don't know it. So Jesus prays that we would be delivered from the evil one but by being sanctified in the truth because the antidote to deception is truth every time. The antidote to deception is truth. It's God's word. And you can probably think back to a time in your life when you were deceived. When you, you were headed a direction you for sure was right. You didn't know you were messing things up, but you were. And after the fact or later when it was revealed to you, you're going, man, I just didn't know. I thought I was in the right. I, I didn't realize I was messing that up. I'm sorry. I, I was deceived. I was deceived. So you want to make sure you're not deceived? First of all, I would say you're, you're definitely absolutely totally completely, but not completely, but you're, you're deceived. In some way that's the second encouraging thing I've told you today what was the first one I already forgot but you're deceived, all right? You have problem, I think was the first one. Like, you got a problem, yeah. So now, now you know you're deceived. I am too. In some area in our lives, there's blind spots. There's deception. There's things that we're not hearing right. We're not understanding right. But like I say, we've got good reasons. Anybody from the outside, objectively, would be like, yeah, you're doing, you know, that's fine. And, but we're deceived. We're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we're deceived in one way or another. But if you don't want to be deceived then fill your mind, your heart, your life with the truth of God. The the devil's weapon is deception. But the antidote to that deception is God's truth. Fill your life with it. It's the only way to combat the evil one and his deception. We're running out of time, so let me close like this. Spiritual warfare is real. You have a real enemy. An enemy who would love nothing more than to derail your life with petty little things that just don't matter. To confuse you, to distract you, to get you majoring in minors, to deceive you. He would love to do that with with your life to come at you with, with temptation and, and watch as you flounder. He, you have a real enemy of your soul, a real enemy. You shouldn't play, shouldn't play football without a helmet. It doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't live your life which is full of spiritual warfare without God's protection. It doesn't make sense. And if you're a Christ follower... You shouldn't live your life without prayer. It just doesn't make sense. So say this prayer with me one more time from the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen, beloved, the Lord's prayer is not just what to pray, it's how to pray. We pray from a revelation of who God is. He's our Father in heaven who loves us. He's holy and yet loving. We pray from God's will. God's will is the foundation we lay our prayers upon. We pray from God's provision, both spiritually and physically, bread and forgiveness. We can trust him to give us everything we need to live the life he wants us to live and do what he's called us to do. And we pray from God's protection. We need it. We have it. It's God's truth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy that is always there for us in abundance. I pray today that whatever was of me in this message would be quickly forgotten and whatever was of you would stick with us, would be driven deep into our hearts and find good soil there that would someday bear fruit. I pray, God, against deception. Deception that is maybe rooted in pride that we've got all this figured out. Deception that this is not a big deal. Everybody does this. It's not a big deal. Deception that's in the form of blind spot that we we just don't even see it. We don't even know it's there. And yet it's keeping us from what you've called us to do. It's keeping us from fulfilling the purpose you've given us in our lives. So in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would dispel confusion, the fog of deception around our mind, and that even if it's just for a moment, that in this moment right now, we would see where we are deceived. And that we would pray from your protection, saying, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. That we would fill our lives with your truth to combat the lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray for those in this room who have yet to pray this prayer, deliver us from the evil one, deliver me from the evil one, and really mean it. They have yet to say, God, save me. I'm in desperate need of your salvation. I cannot fix this problem on my own. I cannot raise back to life that which is dead. I can't defeat death, hell, and the grave. I'm headed towards an eternity without you, God, and I need you to deliver me from the evil one. I pray for those in this room who have yet to do that. I ask that you would help them to overcome any doubts and obstacles, and that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would be delivered completely and totally. As we keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if... If that's you, I just want to give you a moment here to just say a prayer. It's in your own words. You don't have to say this exact prayer, but in your own words to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to rescue me. I need you to deliver me from the evil one. I need you to transform my life. I, I surrender to you. I give everything to you, or at least I want to give everything to you. Help me do that. Just begin to pray that prayer. If you've never given your life over to Jesus completely, don't leave here without making this decision right now. And I believe that God is faithful and just to deliver you if you ask him to. If you give your life over to him, he will begin that process of transformation. It'll happen all at once and it'll happen over the rest of your life. It's a mystery. Just say that prayer. And if that's you, and today you want to give your life over to Jesus completely, you want to be delivered from the evil one once and for all. You you want to be one of his, one of God's. You want to be his his child. You want to be transformed, your family, your life, everything. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. First service, we had a few people who who said, man, I want to be delivered from the evil one. I want to give my life over to Jesus. So if that's you in this room, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you and just keep it up? And I'll I'll keep praying. I see that hand. Keep that up. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, I see that hand. I see those hands. Anyone else? Last chance. I just want to pray for you. As you say, I want to give my life over to Jesus. Keep those hands high and we're going to pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would protect the seed of your truth, your gospel that's been planted into these hearts, this decision that's been made, let it not be an emotional decision made on an emotional day, but let it be a Monday through Saturday kind of a deal, everyday kind of a deal. Lord, I pray that this is the beginning to life transformation, transformation in their family, transformation amongst their friends, transformation in their community. Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do, that you would deliver them from the evil one. Lord, we love you. We put this all in your hands and we trust you with it. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Here's our my prayer for you today. May you realize that every day you wake up, you're stepping onto a spiritual battlefield. May you face that battlefield with confidence that God has given you the armor you need for your protection. And may you surround yourself and run to the truth of God, the truth of God's word, so that you can recognize everything else for what it is. Deception. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of our Teach Us to Pray series. Next week, we start Dear Church, the seven letters in Revelation 2 and 3. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. It's going to be a good series, I believe. As always, I encourage you to talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group, make sure you stop at the Connection center on your way out and get plugged in. My challenge to you is that you wouldn't let this stop with you. But just like you've been helped today to take your next step towards God, you would go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Open Luke 11 and Matthew 6 or 1 Corinthians 10 and Ephesians 6 and talk to somebody about the idea that we need God to deliver us from the evil one. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless. We've got um, prayer workers on the side during this song. They would love to pray for you. If you raised your hand and said, I want to give my life to Jesus today, tell somebody next to you that you did that and then go with them to pray with one of the prayer workers on the side. If you have anything you want to pray for, want to pray with someone about, we'd love to pray with you today. Sing with us.